So I got a few scriptures here. I'm going to read this one. And I'm actually this morning going to use the, the Passion Translation for all three of my scriptures I have because I like the way they say these scriptures. They say them very close to what the other version, the traditional versions say, but they add a little, little word flares to them that really speak to me. So I'm going to read, first of all, Mark 14, verse 23 through 24. Uh, this is right before Jesus went to the cross. So this is a beautiful, important moment. As they ate, Jesus took the bread and blessed it, tore it, and gave it to his disciples. He said to them, Receive this, it's my body. Our communion tables are invisible this morning. I'm doing a communion message without doing communion, so. But, but this is good. Then taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father, he declared the new covenant with them. And as each one drank from the cup, he said to them, This is my blood which seals the new covenant poured out for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day comes when we drink together in the kingdom realm of my Father. Isn't that amazing, beautiful the way they say that right there? I'm sure you're... you're. So there's uh, three, at least three things in this that has really speaks to me. is the, one, uh, the word covenant, okay? Uh, you know, I've talked about that a little bit recently. Uh, it's mentioned a couple times in that. Uh, and also the word kingdom. And so I want to just say this um, first. One is in the Bible, covenant and kingdom run. They're the two primary themes in the entire Bible, covenant and kingdom. They run all through the scripture. One uh, is incomplete without the other. One is incomplete without the other. We can't really see the kingdom of God fully come the way we would desire to see it, the way God desires to see it, without coming in to seeing a, revel- a true revelation of what really being in a covenant relationship with God is. We as Westerners don't really understand covenant. Okay, but primitive people, ancient people, Eastern people really have a grasp of, of covenant that's powerful. That's very powerful. And when I believe one of the issues in the church today is we've tried to walk in kingdom power, which I think we need to keep pursuing that over and over and over. But, but we need this other thing, this other theme to be working in our hearts is the, the theme of covenant, of God's covenant love, His covenant relationship with us. So that's, that's one of the things in there. And, you know, you, if you look in the Bible, I'll just give you some, a few thoughts to help you when you read the Bible, to help you identify. Because it's either, most of the time it's either, it's either covenant is talking about or kingdom is talking about. I'm talking about Old Testament. For instance, Abraham was the covenant father. Okay, so when you read about Abraham, that's what's coming through. The main, thought, the main thought in Abraham's life that God's trying to convey is covenant, what covenant means, what covenant looks, looks like. Are you all following this? So you, you shift, over to, shift down three generations to one of his great-great-grandsons, Joseph. What does Joseph look like? Joseph looks like kingdom. So when you read Joseph, you're getting what, a glimpse, a shadow of what the kingdom of God looks like. Then you shift over to Moses a few hundred years later. Moses is one of the first people in the Bible that take those two thoughts, kingdom and covenant, and they come together in his life. And so what we see in Moses is a kingdom man, but a man who walked in covenant with God. And we see how all the beautiful things that Moses did. David was another kingdom and covenant man. Right? He was a kingdom and coming. He, walked, he was the worshiper of God. He was the lover of God. He was the mighty man. But he's also a, a, war, a man of war. 
He was a man of war taking the kingdom out there. Are y'all following this? Um, I think about Ruth. Wow, Ruth, the book of Ruth. Here's a powerful uh, scripture out of the book of Ruth. Is uh, entreat me not to follow you. That's what Ruth told Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will my, be my God. That's a covenant statement. That's a total covenant statement. And then in the book of Esther, I'm just throwing some women in here on this little deal so, so the women won't feel left out. Esther was a, a very much, you, you see the theme of covenant, but more, you know, Mordecai was her uncle, like a father to her. There was this beautiful relationship between them. But you also see this, this kingdom thing. Uh, Esther, you've been raised up for such a time as this. This is why you're here. This is what God has called you to do. And if you don't do it, you know, God will find somebody who will. So you sort of see that. And then, of course, when you go to the New Testament, you know, Jesus is like is the perfect, the perfect covenant and the perfect kingdom man. And everything he was doing, he was, you, could, you could see both of those, those themes coming out in him and how he functioned, how he related to the Father, and how he demonstrated the kingdom on earth. He had all that thing going in him. Is that not wonderful? I, I think it's pretty profound, really. It'll help you reading the Bible. When you read the Bible, ask the question. Ask yourself the question. Is God, cre- is God communicating on a covenant level, or is God communicating to me on a kingdom level here? And so, when, okay, I'll just go on. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I love this stuff. Uh, I love what Jesus said here. This is my Thanksgiving portion of this message. I do have that in there. Uh, this is amazing to me. I will just say this. It says he uh, took he uh, he uh, he took the wine, took the cup of wine, and given praise to the Father. He declared the new cup. He declared. Everybody say declared. declared. Uh, so here's the thing about Thanksgiving that the Lord has brought up in my heart over and over. Oh, I think everybody in this room are thankful people, right? Who would say they're not thankful? None of us would say we're not. We're thankful people. But how many of us are declaring our thanksgiving? That's why, have you ever heard the word thanksgiving? Think about what that's saying. It's saying there's some power when you release thanks to the Lord. This is important. Because you'll find the Bible, this is what the Scripture teaches. When we're thankful people, when we express thanksgiving to God, something happens in the spirit realm. And something happens in your life. It releases the power of God. And you can see it over and over in the Scripture. That's why all the time Jesus was doing this, He would constantly express uh, He's breaking bread. Thank you, Father. He's fixing to heal somebody. Thank you, you heard me, Father. Are y'all, y'all getting this? And so really, you know, it, there's people who got, who got less from God in the Bible because they weren't expressing their thanksgiving. They got something from Him. They got a little bit from Him, but God had so much more, and He wondered why they didn't express their thanksgiving to Him. He wondered not because God is, need, is a needy God that needs people to thank Him. No, God is saying, you need what thanksgiving will release into your life. Whenever he was wondering, and whenever when, and Paul and all the people that ex- exhorts us to be thankful, it's not like we have this needy father up in heaven. He's saying, guys, if you'll be, if you express your thanksgiving, God can do more in your life. God, there can be more breakthrough. There can be more answers to prayers. You can come into greater wholeness in your life. Now, that's really what the Bible teaches. You go through and study it, you'll see it. It's all over the pages of the New Testament and all over the Psalms. 
I mean, all over them. I mean, that was one of David's beautiful secrets, is being thankful and expressing his thanksgiving. So we're not talking about just when you come to church and sing. That's important. It's important that we get up and express when we gather. It's important that you express when you're sitting at home by yourself talking to God and just being thankful to Him. And I really want to encourage you. Amen. That's Thanksgiving. Isn't that beautiful? Yes and amen. Don't allow yourself to be robbed. Don't allow yourself to be robbed. All right, number three, and this is the thing, is, the, is he said here, this, this is my blood. Everybody say my blood, which seals the new covenant. The seals in the new covenant. So we have this uh, blood covenant with the Lord. Okay? We don't just have a... In and, 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 and the scripture, covenant actually means... Uh, um, in, the, in the majority of places in the entire Bible, covenant means actually... It literally means to cut a covenant. To cut... In most of the places, there is a couple of places where, where God made a covenant, but, and he didn't, he didn't cut. There was no cutting. There was no shedding of blood. But the major covenants, both the Old Testament and New Testament, there was shedding of blood. And, and so in the Old Testament, here's, here's, the, here's what you can tell people that are struggling between the Old and New. The, difference, the biggest difference between the Old Testament and New Testament is this. The covenant of the Old Testament was animal's blood. That's what brought the Old Testament covenant. That's what sealed that covenant. But here we're talking about God's blood. That's what sealed it. That's why our New Testament, our new covenant that we carry is so powerful. Is because it was sealed with God's blood. Are y'all following this? And so what we have this is we have this thing called a blood covenant. We have this mysterious thing. I don't know about you, but that's just weird some of this stuff to me. My mind doesn't think about it like that. Oh, I've always believed in the blood of Jesus, but it's always been sort of a mystery to me. Am I talking to anybody else in this room? Have you ever just thought about this? Like, but this is kind of weird, this blood thing. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, Jesus said. Now, don't y'all think that's odd? I mean, don't you think, what the world, Lord? What are you talking about? What? Give us more explanation. He didn't give much explanation here. And you know why he didn't? Because the people he was talking to there, they didn't need that explanation. They had a, they had a built-in understanding about covenant. They, were, they understood the old covenant. They understood. They understood it not only from, their, from, the, from Abraham and all the ancient people, but from their culture, blood covenants were normal. That's how people survived. That's how people lived in these ancient cultures where there was not law, there, weren't, you know, there was not order, as they would make covenants with one another, blood covenants, so they could have more people to protect themselves just to live. When Abraham cut his covenant with the Lord, Abraham, the Bible tells us he's already cut some covenant with some people. So it wasn't that unusual a thing. Are y'all following this? Y'all sitting there looking bored. Ooh, Lord. So I want to say this. A lot of what we do in the church about, and a lot of what we talk about really is, is, is coming out of the covenant. We have a covenant language. We have a, we have a covenant thought. Right? We trust the blood of Jesus. We sing about the blood of Jesus. But I'm not sure we're walking in revelation about the covenant of God, this cut covenant. And I believe there's, there's a secret for us. I believe there's some power that can get released to us and release us in to see the kingdom come in a magnificent way when we begin to really understand what this really means. Can I give you a couple more examples in here? Uh, 
See, uh, here's a statement I wrote down. The revelation of covenant is a, is a revelation of God himself because covenant is about relationship. So when God talks about being a covenant God, he's talking about being a relational God. That, that's what it's all about. See, what covenant does, it enables people to have a relationship with God. That's the whole point of a covenant. It's, it's, there, there, needs to be, there has to be a means to have a relationship. And even in the, and like I said, in the Old Testament, there had to be bloodshed to have that relationship. In the New Testament, there has to be bloodshed for us to have a relationship with God. Now, that's really what the Bible teaches. I, why? That's how God designed it. And if we lived in an ancient world, an ancient culture, we would think that was normal. We wouldn't think that was odd, that people, there had to be bloodshed to have a relationship. But it was the norm in this ancient world. When, when God did this with Abraham, it was the norm. That's how everybody had relationships, these covenant relationships, blood. So you see, we're sitting here in modern America, and there's something powerfully, powerfully amazing that the Bible communicates. And I don't think we're, and I've realized in my life, let me just say this, you may get it. I feel like I haven't gotten it. That's how I feel. I don't really have this, Lord. But I'm hungry for it. I desire it. Um, let me read this scripture to you. This is awesome. Yeah. Ephesians 1.17. I love this scripture. But this is diff- a little different spin on it. In the Passion Translation. I pray, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. And remember the book of Ephesians is God's blueprint book. If you want to see the blueprint that God has for, for the body of Christ. For the devil. For, for the world, Ephesians tells you the whole plan. This is like the vision book. All of Paul's letters, I think y'all know, might know this. If you don't, it ain't my fault because I've told you this before. All of Paul's letters that he wrote dealt with a problem, except for Ephesians. Every one of them, he was addressing a problem. That's why he wrote the letter. Somebody's done, done some sexually moral, moral thing. Somebody's not handling, they're getting drunk at church. Uh, somebody's gotten into legalism. Somebody believes Jesus has already come back. All these, these different issues that he was addressing except for this one book. No problem. I'm going to tell you what God's mind is. I'm going to tell you what God's heart is and what, it's supposed, this, what this life is supposed to look like. And here in verse 17, I pray the Father of glory... The God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know Him through, this is really important, through your deepening intimacy with Him. Deepening intimacy. Get that, put that word in your little head for a second, or your big head, however it works out. Deepening intimacy. Deepening intimacy. Deepening intimacy. Now, Several verses later, jumping down in Ephesians 2, yet, verse 13, look at you now. He had talked about them. They were messed up. You were carnal. You were under the power of the devil. That's what Ephesians 2, first few verses talk about. But look at you now. Everything is new. Although, listen, listen to this. I want you to get this if you don't get anything else this morning. You were once distant and far away from God. Once, you were once that. You were once that. Do you get this? One time, you were far away from God. What I'm trying to get, you're not far away from God this morning. 
But how many people in this room could honestly say, sometimes I just feel far away from God? Heck yeah. But the Bible teaches us something different. It tells us a different story. And so we believe those feelings, which are only memories of your old man, that's still processing and saying, you're far away from God, you're not doing enough. I'm telling you, that's what happens. That's what happens to people. You're far away from God. You need to do more. You need to do better. We swap me and Becky. We pick at each other. We're not doing it. You need to get a case of the do-betters. Do better. Do better. Do better. Do better. Do better. Do better. And it's just counter. But listen. But listen. This is amazing. Now you have been brought delightfully close to Him. Delightfully close to him you have been brought delightfully close to him you have been not you will be not if you pray enough not if you fast enough not if you pray in tongues enough even you have been now this is one of the great truths of the bible and this will set we talk about being insecure this will secure you if it gets into you You have been brought delightfully close to Him through, listen, through the sacred blood of Jesus Christ. Not your prayers, not all this other stuff that we try to do to get close to God. No, you've been brought delightfully close already. You're there. You're as close to God as you'll ever get on one level. You have actually been united with Christ. That's pretty, pretty tight, right? And that's amazing. So what we're trying to do here, we're trying to figure this thing out. Okay? I am. I'm delightfully close to God. But I don't feel that. But also, there is a deepening that can happen. Are y'all getting this? That's what Paul said earlier. There's a deepening in this relationship. You can go deeper. They testified to going deeper. Them too. They testified about going deeper because they got some realness with each other. And they weren't getting no closer to each other. They was as close as you can get. They've been married 40-something years. I mean, dang, if you ain't close to that person by then, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but there was a, something, they needed to go onto a deeper level because there was something hindering them. There was something blocking them. Thank you for that testimony. It was amazing. And by the way, we did get it when she shared it. We did get it. But you, you took it home too. That was beautiful. I love that. So you see what Paul's saying. Uh, deeper, deeper intimacy or deepening intimacy. You know, intimacy into me see, right? That's an old thing. Some, I think Becky shared that years ago. It's being able to see deeper into the heart of God. And that's what that spirit of wisdom and revelation does for a person. It doesn't get us closer to God. It teaches us how to take advantage of our rightful place. That's what it does. It teaches us how to, hey, you're rightfully close to God. You'll never be any closer. But you can go deeper in Him. He can can expose more of Himself to you. And secrets that are in Him. And thoughts that he has in him that he wants to share with people. Because he's looking for that. That's what the blood of Jesus gets. So the blood of Jesus has established something for us. 
That's why we say there's power in the blood. Because it don't just heal. It has established us and placed us somewhere. And you see, the old people knew that. These people knew this power of this covenant. So they weren't struggling to get close to God. That was not their issue. That's why Paul was saying this. Hey, God's going to help you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. He's going to show you how to take advantage of your beautiful spot, your delightfully close spot. I I love this. I think this is profound. We have these, y'all know what phantom leg syndrome is or phantom limb? It's somebody who had an arm cut off or blown off and they feel it. They'll wake up at night. They can actually literally have pain in that leg that's no longer there. It's, It's a real thing in the medical business. Well, that's the same thing with us. We have this phantom, I'm not close to God syndrome. Now, that's the way it is. I don't, I'm way away from God. Where's God? Why ain't God doing? No, you're not. And if we can be convinced of that, instead of trying to get close, we'll quit all that. And we will accept we're close. That's just phantom memories. They're not real. They're lies. And you're buying into them. Some people over there are buying into them. Big time over there. Somebody over there, you're buying into lies. You're believing something that's destroying you. And the more you try, the worse it's going to get. I don't want to look over there. You know, because I'm going to tell you something. Don't feel bad if you're that person. I've been that person. And occasionally I'll catch myself doing this crazy stuff. And I go, slap you. Stop that. Just stop. Yeah. So, man, it's deep calling. You know that scripture, Psalm 47, deep calls to deep. God's deepness and calling out the deepness in us, trying to bring us in deeper, deeper. You know, it's, it's a funny thing with God. God can see everything, right? He knows everything. He's not. But there's this part of God that says, I choose not to see the depth of your heart because I want you to let me see the depth of your heart. I want that to be a gift instead of something that I can do because I'm powerful God. Did y'all know that about God? There's parts of Him that will hold back because He wants us to respond to Him. That's a precious moment when you feel like God is coming to you and wanting you to open your heart to Him because He could say, oh, I can see right in you, Marlon, doggone, why'd you do that last week? <laughs> he could do that. But he don't, sometimes He doesn't do it. And I tell you, when he does do it, it's because he's trying to help you. Because he never does anything to hurt us. And I know that for a fact. And I've had the Lord expose things on me in front of other people that he, I felt humiliating like a fool. But I was glad after I got through my own little hurt feeling thing, you know, I was glad that God did it because it, it freed me. And, you know, made, did something beautiful for me. All right, I got two more minutes. Come on, Lord. I'm going to tell you this story. I've got to tell you this story, okay? Here's another thing about covenant. Historical covenants, biblical covenants, all have this one thing in common. Uh, Whatever the person you're making a covenant with, everything that they own is yours. You have access to everything they own and vice versa. Come on, y'all. Think about it. we got this covenant with this God who has everything. We're not accessing everything because we don't really understand the beauty of covenant. Well, here's this, a great story. I love this story. Can I tell this story? Yeah. I, this is my favorite covenant story. I, 
This, have y'all ever heard of the explorers from the 1800s called uh, Dr. Uh, Livingston? They used to teach that in school. I don't know if they do. Well, there's this guy. He was a missionary originally, a Scottish missionary that went to Africa. But actually, his real calling was to be an explorer. This was in the 1860s, 1870s. And he explored Africa. Okay, that's what he did and, and kind of, you know, communicated that back to the rest of the world because we didn't know about Africa. Okay, well, Dr. Livingston was sent on this mission to find the mouth of the Nile River because many people had gone to try to find the mouth of the Nile. It was a big deal in those days, okay, because nobody could find it. It was a mystery. And Dr. Livingston was like the most renowned explorer of Africa, so they sent him. And so he goes into deep, dark Africa, uh, which it was at that time. It was a, a very wild place, you know, and people who lived there were primitive. And, and so he disappeared. Nobody heard from Dr. Livingston for a couple of years. And this newspaper guy named Stanley uh, was hired to go and find him. It was all a pride thing. I won't tell you all the details. But they, they are convinced that Dr. Livingston is alive. People were saying he was dead, and they were going to prove this other newspaper that he was alive. That's why they sent him. That was their motives. So good old Stanley, was a, he was a swashbuckling guy. Even though he was a journalist, he was a tough guy. He had been involved in a bunch of stuff that, that peop, normal people didn't do. You know, hanging out with these rough riders and all these people, uh, you know, doing his journalistic thing. It was different back then. They told the truth, not like journalists today. Lord bless them, right? I just had to say that. But anyways, yeah. So he gets over there looking for Dr. Livingston, and it's rough. You know, he was afflicted. He was sick. He, and he ran across this particular tribe in his travel trying to track down Dr. Livingston. And this particular tribe was very powerful and very warlike. And, and Mr. Stanley couldn't deal with them. He didn't know how to deal with these guys because these were bad dudes. And so he couldn't fight them because he knew he couldn't beat them. And he couldn't get around them. And they were going to take everything he had and probably kill him over it, you know. So the, his guide said, you got to make a covenant with them. That's the only way you're going to get through this deal alive. If you don't make a covenant with this guy, they'll kill you. They'll kill all you. They'll come take everything you've got and kill you. And so finally he gave in and went to the chief. Had a meeting with the chief of the tribe, big chief. They go through this long negotiation about a covenant. And finally they decided on the terms of the covenant. And they literally cut a covenant with each other. They either cut themselves, bled into a glass of wine. Both of them bled into it, and they drunk it. That's how they did it. Okay, that might sound gross to you, but that was, that was the norm. His blood was in there, your blood in there. You drank it, and you become like a blood brother. Okay, well, one of the things, you had to exchange gifts as part of this thing. This is where it really gets amazing to me. Here's the gift. The chief looked at everything Stanley had, and he had a lot of stuff because he had supplies and stuff. He wanted one thing. Hey, I want your pretty white goat because I want that goat milk. Stanley, poor health, that goat was his lifeline. I'm not giving you my goat. There's, there's, there's going to be no covenant. Finally, Stanley realized I'm going to die if I don't do it, so I'll just give it to him and hope something will happen. Guess what Stanley gets? The chief says, I'm going to give you the best thing I've got, my big seven-foot spear. And Stanley's thinking, spear? What am I going to do with a spear? I don't use a spear. I'm not going to use it. This is ridiculous. These guys have taken me. Okay? 
Well, what happened was this. That spear, everywhere Stanley went from that point on, if somebody gave him trouble, he just pulled that spear out. And when people saw that spear, they would immediately submit and bow. Because to hurt Stanley was to hurt the chief. And if you hurt that chief, they were going to get you. Isn't that a powerful story? That's the power. I love that story because it demonstrates the power of the covenant. And one of my quests in life is to figure this verse right here out. One of my quests in life. John 14, 13 through 14. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. Have you been trying to figure that verse out for the rest of your life? I mean, oh, any dummy can read this if you can read. Like, yeah. But how many of us are really walking in the power of that? I'm, over, I'm out of time. I'm going to finish. I'm almost done. And that is how the Son will show what the Father re- is really like and bring glory to Him. Ask me anything in my name and I'll do it for you. And so the key is the covenant. When we begin to really realize we have been given a covenant name. And in the spiritual realm, it's like that spear. All the demons, when they see us coming, if we'll just come in His name, if we will allow the reality of that, the demons will bow. And we can begin to really access heaven like never before. When, when God, when, well, we just need a revelation on this. We need to understand he, we have something better than a chief spear. We have something even better than the sword of the Spirit. We have the name of God given to us that's been placed on our hearts and written on our minds. And God wants to teach us when you have a covenant, that name is going to mean something. And when you begin to speak that name, something's going to happen because it won't have a choice. Just like those other people, when they saw that spear, they were not going to mess with the chief. If you take this guy's stuff, you're taking the chief stuff, and he's going to come get you. And that's what God wants the church to have. You mess with those people, God's going to come get you. And take you and make you live with them people. Make you one of those people. Isn't that amazing, though? And that's what the power of covenant. I will fully admit, we've got to get there. Oh, I've got to stop here. Lord have mercy. The last thing I wanted to say is in, in the covenant, like I mentioned, there was this exchange of gifts, okay? Uh, are y'all good? Exchange of gifts. So what is God asking from us? Because God gave us the gift, right? He gave us the sacred blood of Jesus. He gave him, uh, us himself, right? That was what God gave. What's he asking from, from you and I? I tell you really the truth. He's not asking for a whole lot. The only thing that I believe that God is asking, just believe Him. Because the Bible says Abraham believed God in what? It was counted as a righteousness. That was the only thing. And that was the thing that sealed the deal. And God, let me tell you something a lot of people don't really get about Abraham's covenant. We'll talk about it later. But God never asked anything else out of Abraham. Anything else out of any of his descendants... He never asked another thing from them. He did say, I want you to do the circumcision thing as a sign, but not that didn't seal the covenant. The covenant was sealed. Just do the sign thing. And there's reasons for that, but I don't want to go into the God's X-rated program this morning. So it's not a contract that God's given us. I will do this, you do that. See, that's how we operate. Oh, if I, God's offering all this to me, but I got to do something. Just believe something. That's really what he's asking for. Just believe. 
Um, I want to, uh, I need to finish, but. Hey, Jeff. Sure. Um, I haven't read this in a while, but I'm pretty sure that Abraham was put to sleep. Yeah, so he wasn't really too involved in that. And, um, and the covenant that we're a part of is between the Father and the Son. It's between the Father and the Son. It's not between me and the Father. And it's not between me and Jesus. I just believe into it. And we're in Jesus. Here's, here's what happened to me a lot. I'll finish with this. Lord help, right? Well, good. Uh, when I was a young Christian, this guy came to church one night and uh, was giving a testimony. And this is one of those people that have it all together kind of people, right? They look good. He was a handsome guy. He dressed really nice. Just one of those people that had it all together in life. Very athletic looking and, you know, just kind of opposite of what I was at that point in my life. Now, I am like that now. I admit it, but, you know. <laughs> I just joking. This guy got, got up and gave this testimony, and he t- testified about his his little his I think it was a little girl, little baby girl that was it had some I don't remember what was wrong. The baby was dying, okay, and you know they couldn't get the baby healed. The baby was going to die, and he was just just at his wits' end. And this is what he said to the Lord. This guy was evidently a professional baseball player, okay, and he said, God. I have given up everything for you. I gave up my baseball career for you. I gave up a bright future, financial future for you. I've given up my family relationships because I've deserted all that and now they're mad at me. I've given all this up and you won't heal my baby girl. That's what he said. I'll never forget like sitting on the edge of my seat because I wanted it because the baby girl was healed. We knew we were at the end of the story. But this is what the Lord said to him. The Lord said, I didn't want any of that stuff. I never asked you to give up your baseball career. I never asked you to give up money. I never asked you to give up your family. Really, the only thing I wanted from you was a relationship with you. That's really the only thing is a relationship. If That's all I wanted, and that's all I've ever wanted. That's all I ever will want. I was just stunned when he said that. I was stunned because in my mind, I was in that mode of thinking, I got to sacrifice, I got to do this, I got to do that. You know, it was just, but God was looking for something different. Now, I mean, sacrifice and giving, all that can, can happen in a person's life. God can speak to a person like, hey, you need to let that go. That's, and, and, and when he does, it's to help you. It's not to harm you. He sees that, oh, that baseball career is going to destroy you, man. You know, or that job's going to destroy you. That career's going to destroy you. He never asked you for anything. He don't need it. He didn't want it. He don't want that. He don't want your kids. He gave them to you to take care of. We already give our kids to the Lord when they're in the womb, right? They're yours. Or like if you're me, like a couple times, I said, man, like I'm giving you to God. I'm done with your hide. Your God is between you and God now. I'm just done with you. You know. And then one of my kids one time said to me, I thought you gave me to God. Why are you telling me what to do? He was really a wise child. Yeah. I just think for me, that's all I'm, this is about relationship. Because that's what covenant's about. It's about relationship. And 
and for us to know that God wants this relationship with us that's built on mutual love, mutual trust, and mutual fidelity. That's, that's what he wants from everybody in this room. And he's done this thing. He's, he's, he's done this thing so we can have it. He's already done it. It's all done. Same thing with the healing. All this stuff is already, it's already a done deed. It's already set. So let's just say, if we could say like that guy, like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I thought the other stuff, you know, that slips into our little brains. I'm sorry I have acted the way I've acted towards you, trying to get close to you, believing the lie. I just want to pray for us that we would not be those kind of people no more. That we would be people that would learn how to take advantage of what we already have and start living from what that closeness and, and, and could go into the, deepen, the deepening of God where we go deeper and deeper and deeper into His heart and hear things from Him and find out what's on, you know, what He's thinking about stuff and about people and about our situations. So, Lord, we're just saying that this morning. Uh, we're just saying. Paul said something like, live in sacrifices. I think that's what he said in Romans 12. You know, I thought that some one of the versions said, Lord, help me. I think it's a version, something. Lord, today, help me keep my heart on your altar. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Lord, help me keep my heart on your altar that I'm yours today. Help me to do that. I can't do that apart from you, Lord. I can't make myself stay there. But, Lord, you can. Is that you this morning? Anybody? Am I talking to anybody? Can you raise your hand? To help me. <laughs> so I just, all the people with their hands raised, Lord, that are saying, I, I just need this. I want this. I want a revelation of the covenant blood of Jesus, the new covenant, Lord. I want a revelation of that. I want to walk in some some good stuff, Lord. I want to walk in the power of the name of Jesus, Lord. I want to start doing some stuff, Lord. I want to become that kingdom man, but I realize I'll never fully walk in your kingdom power until I walk in your new covenant power. And I believe that with all my heart this morning. So I just ask you, Lord, I ask you what you have stirred in my heart for years, Lord, and I was afraid of it, Lord. I was afraid to talk about it, Lord, because I didn't get it. But, Lord, you want to reveal the power of the blood of Jesus. You want to reveal the power of your covenant to your people, Lord. And I just ask you today, Lord, that you would begin to transition us away from the Christianity of yesterday, that little portion that we carry, Lord, into a greater portion of what you're doing and what you're saying and what you've always done and what you've always said that we were blinded to. I pray those blinders would be removed from our hearts today. And that spirit of wisdom and revelation would help us go deeper and help us to see, Lord, what a blood covenant really is, Lord, and the power of that blood covenant in our life, Lord. Lord, we don't want to use formulas on your name or formulas about saying the blood of Jesus. Lord, we want it to be a reality over our life. When we say we're going to plead the blood of Jesus, Lord, we don't want it to be some kind of dogged saying that we were like, what the heck does that mean? Lord, we want to know when we say it, there's power getting released. Yeah. We want to know when we declare that over our children and our babies 
that need healing and need something, Lord, from heaven, that something from heaven's coming because we're in covenant with you, Lord. So I just pray for that reality. And I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, just release that, Holy Spirit. Release that, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Let your healing flow in this room again like you were doing early. Hey, let the women from the women's that have this anointing on them come up to pray for people. Uh, come on, ladies that want to come up. We're gonna, you're going to be the ministry team this morning. The women, yeah, y'all come out here now. The Bartimuses, yeah, y'all, you're going to have to come, Pete. I'm sorry. So I, this is not just about what she shared, but come and let them just put their hands on you. If they want to prophesy, that would be cool. But if they just put their hands on you and receive a download from heaven. Amen? God bless you. Just come on up.